Hi, I'm Jason Wachab, founder and CEO of My Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the My Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mybuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Jason, founder of My Buddy Green. I hope you don't mind the brief interruption, but I wanted to take a minute to share something I'm really excited about right now. In today's world, many people simply view food as sustenance, entertainment, or even worse, as the enemy. But that's not how it should be, and definitely not how it has to be. What people often forget is that food fuels us, nourishes us, and is one of the most powerful, and not to mention affordable, pathways to our greatest well-being. That is why we here at My Buddy Green, along with some of the world's top functional health experts, have created the first ever functional nutrition program, a comprehensive training built to help you discover how you can unlock the healing powers of food. By enrolling in this one-of-a-kind opportunity, you'll learn how you can heal your gut, improve your digestion, and fight inflammation, how you can use food to enhance the health of your brain and fight autoimmune disease, how to heal your thyroid, slow the aging process, and pick the perfect supplement to complement your functional nutrition habits, plus lifestyle changes you can start making today to prevent disease and promote longevity. Essentially, you'll learn how to heal the body through the power of food so that you can feel rejuvenated and more alive than you ever thought possible. On top of all of this, as a student in the program, you'll receive total access to over 160 video lessons, live office hours with all instructors at various points throughout the program, exclusive self-paced content to deepen your functional nutrition knowledge, including an array of thorough study guides, writing assignments and quizzes, discussion boards to interact with other students, and the MindBodyGreen Functional Nutrition Guide Certification, the MBG FNG, upon completion of the program, and so much more. Now, just because we're so excited about this program and so excited for you to start mastering the concept of functional food, we're offering you an exclusive deal. If you sign up today, you can get this comprehensive first of its kind program for $600 off the original price. So don't wait. To sign up for this exclusive deal today, go to mindbodygreen.com slash unlock. That's mindbodygreen.com slash unlock. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this exciting news, and we hope that you'll join us by making the Mind Buddy Green Functional Nutrition Program part of your journey toward optimal well-being. Hey, everybody. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you all for listening to the podcast and to say that we want to listen to you. So if you have any questions... Any dream guests, we are all ears. I would love to hear from you. So ask me anything and stay tuned for the answers or your dream guests on this very podcast. Send your questions to podcast at mindbodygreen.com. That's podcast at mindbodygreen.com. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thanks so much. And let's go back to the podcast. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's an honor for you to be here in Brooklyn, all the way from the UK. I met you guys here how many years ago? Five years ago? ago. Yeah, early days, my buddy green. And it was office. My, probably for my first time in Brooklyn then. And I remember it was a sunny day, just like today. <laughs> and I walked in, I was like, wow, what a setup. It's brilliant. And it's so lovely to be back. Well, it's great to have you. So let's rewind to, I guess it was almost like five years ago when it was Hemsley and Hemsley and, and the explosion of 
that brand with your sister and the book and everything. So let's just go. How did that all start? Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so we could probably talk about 10, 11 years ago, maybe I was modeling. I'd been modeling full time for about um, six, five, six years by that point. And I had become fascinated by there's so many mistruths out there about health and wellness. Mm -hmm. So you have to go back to thinking about the UK, which hasn't been renowned for its food offering for a long time. <laughs> we've, we've caught up. We're one of the top cities now in London. Um, but let's talk about 2000 and um, maybe five even. Um, I've been modeling well full time for five years. The diet consensus was all about low fat, low calorie, um, ready-made shakes that were calorie controlled. Uh -huh. Um, a diet was a Jane Fonda workout or, or, you know, um, aerobics and then celery with low fat cream cheese and a cracker. <laughs> you know, it was really, it was really weird. And, um, and I come from a background which is Filipino food, very stewy, very warming. You know, the UK is a cold country, so it, you're, it's difficult because you're drawn towards sugary, comforting foods. Mm -hmm stodgy foods and you're being told that actually lettuce and tin tuna is the way forward <laughs> which doesn't sound very appetizing and it is not very appetizing so the more i kind of looked into these things the more i was thinking wow what's this even based on and then i started to come across different philosophies um and then i was interested in why is this philosophy about raw food and this philosophy about cooked food and this one's about veganism and this one's about eating more meat in their diet and comparing them and and implementing the things that kind of made sense to me and um, Ayurveda kept popping up then, but that was a weird word. But it did answer a few things. It answered um, questions as to why I liked hot, stewy cooked foods um, from my mum, from Filipino cooking, and and also helped me to understand the times of day that were better to eat. But I still wasn't, you know, totally sold on Ayurveda back then. You know, 2005, I'd not heard of a chakra. Um, I'd been doing yoga, but it was very much yoga the long lean body yoga, mm -hmm. the show offy kind of Western asana type yoga. Um, and then as time went on, um, my other half and I, Nick, who you know, he was also modeling. Um, he came from the very men's health type of diet <laughs> of chicken breast, broccoli, bagel, you know, no fat workout on, on lots of, uh, coffees. And, um, and so together we kind of explored this stuff and, and really researched. And then began to implement a program that kind of worked for us. And then I started to tell lots of people about it. Um, come 2010, I was in Australia. I learned to meditate, which really helped me to understand that health and wellness is so much more, is about so much more than just food. Mm -hmm. And Ayurveda came up then again because the meditation I learned was Vedic meditation. Sure. Um, and then when I came back to the UK, Nick and I had started like a food box program. So it was like, um, emptying out people's cupboards and replacing it with proper salt, proper butter, proper ghee, you know, showing people, I got people really into slow cookers because I showed them how they could put something on in the morning, come back to a hot meal or put it on the night before and wake up to it. Um, and then from there, I got my first client, which happened to be a celebrity. So I wasn't looking for a client. I wasn't looking to make this my business. In fact, my modeling was at its very best, which was typical because I came to a junction where I had to choose between the two. So I ended up cooking uh, full-time for this guy, and he said he wanted it seven days a week, and I said, listen, I can't do that. Um, and then I said, Mel, Mel, who was on a sabbatical, come and help me. Mel, and your sister. Mel, Melissa. my sister. Yeah, yeah she explained Mel, my sister, Melissa Hemsley. 
Um, and so together we kind of started to cook for this, this guy and from there his friends and his family and then did, um, he was a, he was a band member, so the rest of his band. Who was it? Um, can you share? I can't share. Okay. I can't maybe share. Maybe someday. We never have, but yeah, maybe someday, okay. someday. Um, and then, uh, we didn't cater for the tour because we thought that was just going to be way too much, but we consulted for it, went on to consult for other things. Fast forward, we kind of created a name. Actually, Nick came up with a name because Melissa and I could not think of it. We poo-pooed Hemsley and Hemsley for a long time, but nothing else seemed to sum it up. Right. And um, and then we launched a blog, a little blog. And we thought, not you know, this is really early days. Like, how do you blog? You search for it. <laughs> and, um, and we did that. And then we got picked up by Vogue to be a food blogger. And, um, and so that was a really interesting time of taking you know, the kind of philosophy that I developed where I could basically walk into someone's house because they had the resources. I could change their water. I could change the time they slept. I could change their air purifier. Um, we could make fermented foods for them. You know, it was unlimited. So suddenly talking to a wider audience who didn't have those resources. Mm-hmm. And so we had to make it, you know, a much more fun and inclusive kind of um, offering. And also this was a time when Salads and smoothies have become really big. So this is about 2011, 12. Mm-hmm. And so here I was talking about bone broth, which is highly unsexy, and butter, which everyone is terrified of. Early on that. Yes. And that was, a, that was hard. So we kind of did beautiful, colorful, um, dishes and then talked about how to kind of amp up the nutrition with proper grass fed butter and, um, bone broth, which costs, I mean, I, I bought, I think in, I was in Santa Monica. No, I was in, um, Malibu, and I think I bought a small pot of bone broth for twenty dollars. Where in the you know in the UK you can get to a good butcher; they will give you the bones happily for free, and then you stick it in your slow cooker, and you've got this amazing elixir. I think there's a new business flying back and forth and taking the bones from the. Hey Malibu, and- have some have some <laughs> London bone broth. <laughs> and so, when in this process, when did the first book come out? The the, the we have it actually in the office. It's the yellow cover. Hemsley, yes, Hemsley, it's a white cover in the UK. Yeah. It's the yellow cover here. Yeah. You can't miss it. Um, so we went looking for, we, we started to talk to publishers. They came and knocked on our door about 2013 and we weren't sure people were quite getting it. Especially in the UK. I feel like you yeah. were behind, like a very new and very fresh. Behind. It was like you guys and maybe Ella at the time. Exactly. Ella was, was it. Yeah. And I think when they saw us coming, they thought, okay, um, you know, deliciously, Ella's doing brilliantly. Can you do a smoothie, raw food, vegan book? And we were like, ah, our recipes, we do have those recipes, but that's not us. Right. And so in the end, we kind of made the decision not to go with any of the publishers. And we continued doing what we're doing. And then in 2014, one of the um, editors that we loved, but her publishing house wanted something different from us, moved and came and knocked on our door again. And it was perfect timing because she got, she had got us. Um, and then she'd been able to com- uh, convince um, Ebury uh, Penguin House that sure. that this was it. And so we went for it. Um, and we got in there about the butter and the bone broth and the gut health at a time when everyone was freaking out about the word gut being anywhere near a cookbook. And we got it in. It came out in 2014. A few months later, it got nominated for Cookbook of the Year alongside Mary Berry, Tom Kerridge. All the big names in the UK. Otolenghi. Yeah. Otolenghi won. Was it Nopi? Nopi. It was against Nopi, yes. So I have to say, two of my favorite, I've only been to London once, but my two favorite places to go, Nopi mm-hmm. 
and then your cafe and Suffrages, Yay. right? Am I pronouncing it right? Suffrages? Selfridges, Selfridges. exactly. Selfridges. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I met Melissa there. We had, you co- did. like, she did like a whole sampling. Like, yeah. it's amazing. I was like, blo- to be honest, I was shocked. I was like, this is really good. <laughs> we put London on the map for you guys. I'm glad. Yeah. You, you yeah it was, it was, yeah. I mean, when I look back, 2015 was, so the book came out in 2014 and we kind of exploded on the scene. I mean, we really didn't have a following, um, at all on social media. And we got picked up and it beca- it was brilliant. Um, we waited a bit on the next book. I think that came out in 2000 and beginning of 2016. Oh gosh, 2015. And we opened the cafe at the same time and we had a TV show. So I yeah. don't remember anything <laughs> from that period of my life. It Tough literally year. rolled, everything rolled into one. In fact, the best thing about it, and especially when we did the tour, um, through Australia, was that I had to totally live in the moment because there was no brain space left for planning or, you know, thinking about whether I did a good job yesterday. I was absolutely in the, in the moment. Um, and, um, and yeah, it was, it was quite crazy. So 2016, the summer, Mel and I were like, Oh, let's just chill out. Let's not think about any other big projects. Let's just actually enjoy what we've created. Sure. Live the wellness. Live We're making the wellness. all these people better, I but what know. about us? What about us? What about us? So um, I went on a panchakarma in Hyderabad. Explain to people what that is. Okay. So <laughs> if you, if, I'll, I'll start with the very beginning. The first time I heard it, I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> you can call it PK. You can call it PK. So Ayurveda is the science on knowledge of life. So this is 5,000 years old. Um, it's a holistic philosophy that includes everything from... Uh, the times of day that you do things, to the food that you eat, to the lifestyle choices that you make, um, and it covers everything from surgery to um, to raising your babies, everything. I mean, it's it's so vast. It's the Vedic knowledge system was a civilization five thousand years ago. They had architecture, they had mathematics, they had Vastu, which is like a Feng Shui. I mean, it was super super advanced, and it's where Vedic med- meditation comes from as well. So a PK or a panchakarma means five actions. And you might have heard the word karma, mm-hmm. actions. Um, and this is a way of helping us to reverse very quickly, come back to um, homeostasis in the body. So Ayurveda understands that we get ourselves into a bit of um, deep water gradually through our actions. Um, and you can undo them gradually by new actions. But the five actions of Panchakarma speeds that process up. So you work with an Ayurvedic doctor. You maybe stay close to a center or a, mm-hmm. um, a place where you have treatments. Um, and then and then the food comes into it as well. So I stayed in a little township with Nick for one month. And um, we were lucky to live above the Vaidya's house, the Ayurvedic doctor's house. So he saw us first every morning, took our pulse, and would tell us things as detailed as, ooh, bad dreams last night, or... Your period's coming in two days, right? Was he always right? Always right. Wow. The big one was that um, absolutely zero history, um, medical history came from us. And with the morning we landed, he took Nick's pulse and he told him which of his vertebrae were out. C6, C7. And Nick knows because they're old rugby injuries. Sure. He also then told Nick, oh, 14, you bust your shoulder. And Nick's, um, Nick dislocated his shoulder at 14, which has now caused all these knock-on effects. And Nick's been using lots of different physio techniques to um, remedy it. But the fact that the guy picked that up from his pulse within, I don't know, 60 seconds 
Wow. That blew my mind. And actually only blew my mind as I told people when I came back because I was kind of there, I'd committed to believing. And it's only as I watched people's faces as I told them what these vijas can actually pick up from the pulse that you realize the disbelief. And so for me, it's just all I really want to do is plant this word Ayurveda into people's consciousness so that when they come across it or the time is right for them, they've heard sure. of it and they can dive in. So what else is in, I, I know what the panchakar, just explain to people, this is a pretty serious thing. Yeah. Like what else this okay, it so entails when you do this? Well, it's quite delicious actually. It's, it's, <laughs> it's massage. They really believe in, in body massage, yeah. lots of body work. So, um, one of the famous treatments is something called Shiradhara where they pour hot oil across the forehead. Something swings very slowly across the yep. forehead and this warm oil that's been cooked with so many herbs and spices, incredibly medicinal, goes across your head for about 45 minutes. And you kind of go into this incredibly sleepy, dreamy state where the body is just in total relaxation and can do its thing. But it can also have so many different effects on you. It can draw stuff out, memories. I think during my time there, I wasn't getting the high that you might get on a juice cleanse because mm -hmm. it goes deeper, goes into the cells and memories, you know, bullying is when I was six years old in the playground. And when I say bullying, it felt like bullying at the time, but probably another little girl who was six called me a name. You know, and it really upset me. That came up. The stuff that your rational mind has got put to bed a long time ago, you know, actual pains from that came up and came out because that's stored in your cells. Abhyanga is this hot oil massage. Again, these oils have been cooked with, with herbs from the Himalayas. And two people work that into your body over the course of, an, of 90 minutes from your head to your feet. You are literally massaged thick with a, this oil. And this oil penetrates and pulls out toxins and then you, you then scrub it off. So it also, you know, breaks stuff down within the body because there's the, the various techniques. And so it pushes the toxins out of the body. You eat three meals a day, very delicious cooked foods from a tiffin tray. So it's like five or six different things that you eat. Um, not nothing raw in sight, hmm. nothing raw. And in fact, not that many greens, actually. Um, the food is almost like, it's not, it's not Indian as we know Indian, which is explosive, fiery, hot, sure. flavorful. It's, it's, it's really kind of comforting and childlike and, um, very, very easy to digest. Ayurveda is, if there's anything you take from it, it's about, digestion digestion is absolutely key to everything the state of your digestive system or your they call it the agni the fire right here in your gut if that's strong and lively you can digest experiences quickly and efficiently without you know letting them rock around your head for days months years and you can digest the best from food and leave the rest so they actually believe that it's better to have good digestion and a bad diet than it is to have bad digestion and a good diet Huh. Which to, to us in the West is like a whoa, you know, we're just right. getting our head around the power of the gut. Ayurveda knew this 5,000 years ago. So how do you define good digestion? So good digestion is, I think we're all tuning in now. We're all very, you know, we're aware that at first people thought indigestion was simply, oh, have I got acid reflux? Am I burping? Am I belching? Am I farting? Now we're realizing it's that knot in the stomach. It's that kind of bubble in the bubble in the neck it's the sour feeling the hot feeling the solid feeling of food not moving it's that butterfly feeling it's the anxiety i mean this is really this core this area is is your everything the rest is kind of just limbs in your head mm -hmm. whether your bowels are functioning properly are you going too many times a day what consistency is it all the things we never talked about before 
what else would be indigestion? So is it like when you talk about like bowel consistency, is that like going once a day, twice a day? Like well, if you normalize? think about babies, it's one meal in one one poo out. You yes. Know? And then over time, we condition ourselves to train ourselves for when we can see a toilet. And some of us have some bad experiences, and then we train ourselves to only use our own toilet. And some of us don't give ourselves enough time to go to the toilet before we leave the house. And so then it sits with us all day. So I know for myself, if I leave the house at five in the morning for any reason, a flight or something, and I miss my slot, I almost back it up until the next day. <laughs> um, so there's a rhythm to life. You know, Ayurveda sure. understands that rhythm. So, so good digestion is when you can eat food, feel satisfied, and then continue your day. If you're having to take a lie down or you feel like you need a coffee or a pick-me-up an hour or two earlier, something's sluggish, something's not happening, you know. Your blood sugar levels are all over the place. Um, really great digestion is, is, is key to absolutely everything, and that comes from trying not to eat when you're upset or angry, trying not to eat on the go or in, in, in a rush, um, connecting to your food. You know, you think about the human's uh, original relationship with food would be one where you you grew it you nurtured it or you foraged for it you know you had this complete connection to your food then you would prepare it you'd be very careful because some things are poisonous and some things need certain preparation to get the good stuff out and then we would sit and eat it and share it as a family now we kind of walk in spot something choose it based on the latest western science maybe or maybe not and then we just inhale right and we don't get our saliva around it. We don't get our, you know, we don't connect to it. We don't even know if it suits us. We just get on with our day and, and do other, maybe in the grand scheme of things, less important things, but they feel more important. So what else is involved in the panchakarma? Cause I know it's like a pretty serious thing. Oh, you thing. want, you want that? You want <laughs> yeah, the- like the, well, just like the cliff notes. Okay. So if someone's listening, they're like, okay, like, I think I can do this. Okay. Or, or I can't do this. So if anyone's been to India or Sri Lanka, you might have come across Ayurveda and you'll, um, you'll find it in its kind of like, you know, there's some salons or some spas that offer Ayurveda, but they're kind of not really the real Ayurveda. You know, they're just samples. It's what it's famous for. So obviously there's a tourist industry around it. A real PK, you would go for a minimum of two weeks up to six weeks and you would in this time, eat at certain times of the day. You'd eat very slowly. You'd eat with your hands. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about that again later. Um, you would have your Vajra would check your pulse and see how you're doing and see if he kind of would uh, slightly alter the program for the day. You would go to the, I guess it's like a spa, but you'd go there and they would rub oils into you or they'd put ghee in your eyes. They'd rub oil in your scalp. They would do hot poultices on the body. Um, they would scrub you with things, just depending on what you needed at that moment. As you get to kind of the, the, the deepest level when the body is at its most relaxed and it's kicking out the toxins, you might have some oil enemas. If you had blood problems, they might apply leeches. Um, and so I think, I think the leeches one is the big one that everyone's heard about and also the throwing up. Yeah. If there's a lot of heat or toxin in the belly, then they might give you a lot of ghee to make you throw up. I've never experienced the leeches or the ghee. Um, I did stay with a lady on my first one, and she had to have the leeches. She was terrified next day. She was like, yeah, bring it on. Felt great afterwards. Uh-huh. Um, I think some top-end kind of more Western luxury spas don't do the leeches thing now. Right. But, yeah, that's the big thing. If anyone's heard of Ayurveda, they're like, oh, the leeches, the throwing up. 
Um, if anyone wants to go, I would definitely go and find either a very luxury one that will cost you a fortune or, or um, have a look on my website. There's some resources for very authentic ones. Do your research on it because when you go, it's not going to smell of rose and lavender oil and jasmine oil. It's going to smell spicy and um, it's very thorough. For me as a Filipino, it was like being looked after by my aunties. Right. I was right at home. My other half... He was slightly in shock at the whole thing. Firstly, because we were staying in the middle of India, nowhere near a sea for a month. And that just the whole notion of why would you book in for that um, weirded him out. And then we got into it. And my goodness, you slow down. You get to know yourself. It's, it's a, it's a, to me, it was a bit like being sent into the country to stay with an auntie sure. for a month. And you, you almost experience boredom. And I have to say, as an adult, that's such a lovely feeling that we I've forgotten about. You know, right. that one of, oh, shall I go for a walk or shall I read a book or you, you're encouraged to really, really, really slow down and deal with some deeper issues. And they help you through that, not through a kind of therapy sessions or anything. They literally just push it out of the body. So when you finish this program, how are you feeling and how does it fundamentally change like your view on food, nutrition, wellness and what's next for you? So many ways, and such a good question, Jason. Uh, how do you feel? So you don't feel the euphoria that you feel when you've done a juice cleanse or anything of that sort, like a psyllium husk kind of thing um, where they, they clean you out that way. You feel a bit space cadet during it, very in the moment. You really don't care about other things. You know, you really just care about there, then, now, which is quite, you know, an eye-opener. My creativity went through the roof, and it's exactly where this book came from. Like, it's like I'd given myself a rest and suddenly... All these ideas, everything. Oh my goodness. It was, it was, it was quite crazy. So they say in a PK, you don't rush back into normal life. It's like you've just replastered the house and painted it. (laughs) Looks amazing, feels fresh, but it's wet. (laughs) So be very careful how you transition out, you know, and that's really what we're talking about with natural medicine it's not a quick fix we're not dealing with removing just symptoms we're going deeper and so you are a little bit vulnerable so you need to ease out as you go in so for us westerners we're like ah one month off you know i haven't got time for that i haven't got time for this but my goodness if if any anyone can find that time and make it a priority for themselves i feel like a better human being so you walk away and you're you're filled with creativity and it's, oh, it's the goodness. inspiration for your amazing book, which everyone has to pick up, East oh. by West. But like, talk about like, so it's like you, you experience this and are you like, I need to tell the world about it? Like, this is like, how did it, how did it like fundamentally changed mm. you? Well, one of the things you asked about was how did it feel about nutrition? So a lot of my nutrition uh, beliefs came from functional medicine and, you know, as well as traditional kind of ideas. So I was into dairy, mm-hmm. but the provenance was important and the preparation was important. But I didn't I didn't really understand this Ayurvedic aspect. So I remember saying to my meditation teacher, Gary Goro, I've just found this incredible, organic, biodynamic, grass-fed, raw, unpasteurized, unhomogenized milk from my local farmer's market. I've met the guys. You checked like every box possible. Every there. box possible. <laughs> These guys, the cows have a name. They're, they live the to... The cows meditate The too. cows meditate. They're blessed <laughs> once a year by the Dalai Lama. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> and um, and he said, yes, in Ayurveda, we, we cook the milk first. And I remember thinking, what? Gary, why? Why would I do... Why would I find this milk and then go and cook it? 
And he, he would just drop little hints. You know, he first started with tongue scraping with me with 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. it's my favorite thing to do now. Um, and then I realized that cooking milk is not like pasteurizing it. It's not wiping it out. It's basically pre-digesting it for you. Also, warm milk. So think about a glass of warm milk and a glass of cold milk. Warm milk kind of flows. It's warming. It's easy to digest. And then cold milk is heavy. It's clogging. It's mucus forming. But if you... If you looked at both in a Western lab, they'd have they'd the same milk source, the same attributes, you know, except one's hot and one's cold, but completely different as, as Ayurveda. They see it as two completely different ingredients, and that has been such an eye-opener for me. So and my PK, although it was a thought authentic and very uncommercial, lots of people there from the States, lots of people there from um, Australia, none of whom eat dairy or eat wheat, and there they are eating dairy and wheat every day <laughs> with no problems. So you're okay with gluten? I am to a point. It's it's in that environment. I was unstressed. It was also good gluten. It was freshly made every day. It was using older grain sources. Sure. And my digestive fire was on fire. So, so I could handle anything really. Do you ever eat anything cold anymore? You look at my hot water there. <laughs> um, I had an ice cream in LA. <laughs> okay. Well, what which is LA. very, which is very unme. But but like, do you ever have smoothies, cold juice, salads? Like, or is that like a lug? Is that like a once a week thing, or a never thing, or a once a day thing, or depends on how you're feeling? Depends how I'm feeling, and depends what's available to me. So, you know, I don't live in an ashram. I don't live in that PK environment. I fly around the world. So, if I'm faced with two things, okay, one could be, for example, it could be um, a cold day, and I'm faced with a rocket. You know, arugula, you say salad with all the superfoods you could ever want there, right there. Or a good grass-fed burger. I'm going to go with a grass-fed burger. Why? Because it's lunchtime. My digestive fire is very strong. Um, those the, That food is freshly cooked. It's very grounding. I am a vata type. It's already dry, rough, cold. I fly all the time. That's a very vata activity. Modern life is very vata. The stimuli of your phone and the lighting and the noise and the big city living. And so a salad has also got vata properties. It's cold, it's rough, it's dry, it's hard to digest, it's bitter, it's astringent. So that would actually aggravate my vata and mm-hmm. it would, it would, um, add to me feeling very wired, anxious, nervy and in my head. So can you spot people now and say like they're a vata or a pita or? I, I can to a point. But, and, um, we said earlier about touching on things that, uh, uh, misconceptions maybe about Ayurveda. They do classify you as types between three different doshas, sure. Vata, Pitta, Kapha. Mm-hmm. We have all three doshas in us and we tend to display from birth a pre, I can never say this word, pre, preconceived, predispensary, pre, or you're predisposed, predisposed. Yeah. <laughs> We're predisposed to being a type, but our environment, the time of our life, the time of the year, the seasons affect that. So, for example, I'm vata pitta. So I'm mostly vata, this dry, rough, fast moving. That's why my hands are moving and I'm talking so fast. What's Nick? He's more tridoshic. What about you? Venture a guess for me? Um, because of your height, your build, I would say more vata. Mm-hmm. But I think also some pitta in there. That's what I hear. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm a doctor. No, I'm not. Um, that was a, that was just a really good guess, but. <clears throat> Most people need to know, we need to know about all of the doshas. We don't just go, I'm this, therefore I eat that. That's the very, that's the Western approach to it. Actually, we're constantly changing within our environment. So there are days when right now I'm feeling very pitta. I'm very hot, which is unusual for me. I'm normally always got a cardio on. If you look at my sister, she's very pitta. Mm-hmm. Always has a sleeveless dress on. Me, always got knitwear. So 
Do you think part of the beauty and allure and success of Ayurveda and why so many people thrive on it is this idea of really listening and tuning into mm. your body and not just saying like, here's my diet, I'm paleo yes. or I'm vegan or I'm this and that's it. And it's very rigid where Ayurveda has principles. But I think to me, one of the main principles is really tuning in mm -hmm. and listening and yes. being flexible. Yes. That's not, it's like, it's, is that? It's absolutely right. There are no, there's no rules. There's no good or bad in Ayurveda. It's the philosophy of life. It's like, here's some things that will help you get along. And when you go with them, you're going with the flow. When mm. you go with the flow, life is easier. You get more vitality. It means when you're going against the flow, um, you've got that bit more vitality to help balance things out. If you want to go against the flow, you want to stay up until one in the morning, two, three, four, using artificial light, you can do it, but it will have a knock-on effect at some point, especially if you're doing maybe six things that go against your flow. Sure. So I always say things like, you know, we meet people all the time, don't we, that can hold their alcohol or, um, you know, we hear of 90-year-olds that have smoked all sure. their lives or people that fly nonstop and they've always got a spring in their step and they never seem to have a cold. But if you put all those problems together on one person, eventually they'll crumble. Catches up. It catches up. So let me ask you, a lot of people struggle with stress, anxiety, and sleep. Mm. How can Ayurveda, like, is there something simple that someone could, you know, yeah. who's listening, who struggles with those issues yes. can, can do immediately that may help? So one thing I think that really helps me is that I, you know, Ayurveda has got my back. I mean, meditation, they implemented meditation 5,000 years ago when work when we didn't have the, the speed of life that we have now. So they recognize that 5,000 years ago, the human mind, the human, human ego, still had the same thoughts of wanting to control, wanting to go against things, wanting to um, be the best at things. And meditation, reflection, mindfulness help us to keep us grounded. Mm. And so we as humans had that issue 5,000 years ago and Ayurveda created something to help ground. We can use that today. You know, med meditation, mindfulness has come back in, in a fashionable sure. way. First started with yoga. You'll watch the yoga has gone from fast, hot, hard pumping. Then we're now offering really slow yoga. Yoga that 10 years ago, when we still had this 90s mentality, no one would have paid for. You know, okay. I do sound baths in the UK where people come in and they lie down. If I'd have done uh -huh. that 20 years ago, I thought, that's not where am I getting my money's worth? I can lie down anywhere. Right. But we don't have time to lie down anymore. So people have to actually book in for it. So I'd say meditation, I meditated on my way here. Pathetic. Do your 20 minutes with your mantra? Or? Yep, I do. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's 3. You know? I'm with you there too. Got to be flexible in the gotta time. Got to be flexible. Because 20 minutes is, it, uh, there was a time period where I was able to do that all the time. Yeah. And now it's just not With baby, reality. with everything. It's just not. It's like yeah. 3 there, 5 there. Yeah. What I call it is it's, it's a pit stop to deal with your rubbish. <laughs> it's a time to dump all the stresses of other Meditation people. Meditation is a pit stop to deal with your rubbish. Exactly, I love it. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't build up. So you don't have to do, you don't look around and become completely overwhelmed. You don't become reactive because you've picked up other people's energies. And, you know, you, you know, sometimes a problem comes right up in your face. And there's times when you're just like, right, that's fine. I'm going to breathe. I'll get through it. That's where, that's how we want to be. We don't want to become the problem. We don't want to be enveloped in the problem. You know, we don't want the problem to eat us up. And I feel like sometimes because we don't have time to get back to base, we end up being mm. these reactive kind of beings. Um, also, the Vata thing that I was talking about, Vata is, of all the doshas, maybe the one to really, really, really get to know because 
our modern life is very, very Vata. So you could be Kapha to the core. I mean, Nick is pretty chilled. <laughs> but when the demands of those emails come through, when the deadlines, when you can feel the Vata from everyone else, you know, you, you stay somewhere with strip lighting, lots of noises, noise of the city, you know, you feel everything coming in on you. This is a very Vata kind of atmosphere. This is the, this is the dosha everyone needs to settle in. And that's why meditation works. That's why sitting down to eat your meal and bless your meal before you eat it is a great way to bring down the nervous system. Um, oiling, drinking hot water on the flight, oiling your skin after a flight, um, checking out the lighting in your house when you come in so that you can go to low level lighting and, and help the body wind down. Bringing down the volume on things, less TV, having, having no screen time. Really important things. As someone, I also fly a lot, unfortunately. Mm. What are your travel tips? So take one of those um, flasks, and <sighs> then before I get on the flight, I will stop by a coffee shop and I'll ask for a, um, some hot water, and they'll fill it with hot water. Um, hot water or hot drinks help to break down the ama in the body. So ama means that which is not digested. So Ayurveda believes that the food and the experiences we eat can either serve us and nurture us and become us, and those that we don't want or are toxic to us becomes this kind of heavy black toxin uh, a substance that we think of as toxins in the Western world. So drinking hot water helps to flush that out and break it down and get it moving again. Um, also, you think about airplanes are cold, they're light, they're mm-hmm. rough. Hot water is smooth, it's grounding, it's warming. Um, what about hot coffee? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> and I learned this before I even realized I've made it. It's dehydrating, not good for it's flights. De- it's yeah. so stimulating. Yeah. You're already over, over, over stimulated. So coffee's not good for Vata, who is already in their heads, and Pitta, which is a very hot dosha. So Vata and Pitta don't do well with coffee as a general rule. It depends, obviously, how chilled out they are, sure. how, how healthy they are. Kapha types, Kapha are the very, they're the Kapha, um, dosha is the earthy one, you know, they're, it's, it's water and earth are the elements. Very earthy, very moist, you know, very chilled, very loving, very dependable. Um, they're the ones that can have a coffee. It, right. it gives them a little bit of a buzz that they need. Vata and Pitta, we're buzzing already. I, I do, I do coffee. You do coffee. I you love do, coffee. You love coffee. I'll make one of the, t- I can, have coffee at 10 o'clock at night and go to sleep i'm fine colleen on the other hand like can't do yeah. that but well it's you know a lot of people can sleep on mm. coffee but what's the quality of their sleep during the coffee do they wake up at four oh. in the morning with thoughts and ideas or two in the morning worrying about something <laughs> or you know feeling restless and how do you feel when you come off the coffee so sure. for me it's you know coffee and alcohol and things like that for me they're fine but are they a crutch sure and as soon as they become a crutch then you kind of come back to base camp and then you can reintroduce them again. I love that. Yeah. So being a leader in wellness and being at the forefront of like what's going on in the world, what do you think right now is a trend? And on the flip side, what do you think is a fad and doesn't have staying power? I think they're almost the same. And I'll tell you why. Um, the one thing that's made me so excited about Ayurveda, and you have to remember, I didn't, I didn't rush into Ayurveda. I didn't think, oh, this is, someone didn't sell it to me in a conference. And I was like, I'm in, I'm part of this club. I'm part of this gang. I've been pushing it away for a long time, but my goodness, it basically covers everything you need to know. Everything that we talk about in the wellness world today, from the gut, which we've just, we've just starting to understand the extent at which it matters, fermented foods, oil pulling, tongue scraping, massage, Mm -hmm. acupuncture, mantras, 
mindfulness, uh, soaking, sprouting, energy balls, anything that we're talking about in wellness has all come from Ayurveda. And so when we trend something, it becomes the focus. We start to talk about all its benefits. We push it out there as, you know, an avocado is going to save the world or kofir is going to change your life or kombucha is the next big thing. And then we overdo it. Right. And that's what we love to do in the West. We love to just put everything onto one thing and then overdo it. And then we're like, you've either developed an allergy to it or your friends are now allergic to you because they're so bored of you going on about <laughs> it. <laughs> so it's great that things trend. And the fad bit comes when, again, we've overdone it. And or just not right. So like low fat, I would say that was a fat. Like it, it was no merit. Funny enough, and I'm really anti-low fat. Funny enough, I'm understanding that actually for a kapha type, the low fat would have worked for them. Hmm. L- they need less fat in their diet. They are already, their their nature is to already hold on to those things and make good use of them. Whereas Vata burns through it. Pitta burns through it and Vata can't deal with it in some ways. Or, they, or oh, no, can deal with it very well. Sorry, that becomes a very good uh, source of fuel for Vatas. So now I'm understanding where everything fits together. Mm-hmm. If you get me and you've got five minutes with me, I'll say stay clear of low fat, low calorie, end of. You know, cut down your sugars, probably skip the dairy because I don't have in five minutes time to explain what is good dairy and what isn't. So yeah, there are short things for the average person, but I think life is precious. It's, you know, the art of eating well, the art of living well is about so much more. And we can either see that as a, oh my God, bore off. I haven't got time for this. Or we can go, actually, this is part of the beauty of life. This is what people write poetry about. This is what people philosophize about. You know, it's, I want to kind of know myself. That's why in any given situation, my mum and I can walk into a restaurant and our needs are completely different. Right. Or if you have a twin, your needs can be totally different. One of you's just flown back from a hot country. One of you hasn't slept for three days. <laughs> you know, you're going to fancy different things on that plate. And so a salad is going to be great for me sometimes. A juice is going to be a juice and a smoothie. I'm going to warm them up in my mouth. Everyone should do this, by the way. You need to get the vitamin, you need to get the um, amylase, the saliva onto the food. Don't dump it into your stomach. Um, so that's why Ayurveda might say in some respects don't do smoothies and juices. But what they mean is don't grab those cold smoothies and juices and just dump them into your body. It's still a great food if you know how to right. eat it properly. So do you think the UK is caught up to the States in terms of where we are in wellness or still a little bit behind or ahead in any ways? Like, How do you think the wellness world compares in the two countries? Um, where we do do very well, I think, is that we are, um, you know, obviously America's so vast. So the one thing about our little island is we are a little bit connected to the ocean and to our land. Mm-hmm. It's become the trend now for places to open and to focus on local and seasonal. You know, we've got two quinoa farms in the UK, um, which is great. That's local. We serve it at our cafe. Um, I think those trends have become very cool because we've literally gone from fine French dining or greasy spoon cafes. That's all we had right. for years. Then we had the rise of the kind of the, the high street chain. And now we're getting little eateries. I mean, hundreds popping up every day with young, cool chefs wanting to use local produce and make it very fashionable. That's what I'm really proud of. Um, in terms of just being able to walk out in any part of the country and get a decent whole field food meal, no. We're not really there. So if I'm traveling to London, yeah, London's what, good. Where should I go? Like, what am I? Um, what, what are the? What are your go-to spots other than check out your cafe? Hemsley Cafe, Hemsley Cafe, and, Hemsley Cafe. and, um, and where, where should we go? Well, we've got we've got East London is is very cool now. You know, yep. you get you get everything from 
great coffee to a good gluten-free alternative that's not made of other rubbish. <laughs> um, but even the hotels are catching up. I think 108 Marylebone had served juices as well as cocktails in their, in their space. What's the name of that place? Uh, 108 Marylebone, oh, yeah, okay. the hotel. Yeah. Um, we've got loads and loads of great eateries popping up. We now also have... <laughs> Finally, uh, bike services that can bring you the food from places. So it might not be in your, yeah. you know, very not, close. Not like we here have Instacart. And We've got Deliveroo. Yeah. Um, and one more, I think Uber Eats or something Uber like Eats, that. Uber Eats, yeah. Yeah. So finally, if it's not in, you know, very close, farmers markets everywhere in London now, they are my favorite place to go because you're, li- you're talking to the producers. You're directly in contact with the people that make your food. And whether people think that is a very woo-woo thing to say, I I really starting to understand the value of it. And what keeps you up at night and what has you excited in the morning? What keeps me up at night? Uh, if I don't have time to wind down at night, my Vata mind can play tricks on me and a conversation <laughs> can start in the middle of the night. Or if I'm working on something super exciting and I haven't wound down again, my Vata mind will keep talking about these things. What wakes me up in the morning and makes me excited Sunshine, which is quite ironic when you live in the UK because it's not every day we get sunshine. Um, two, I'm really, I don't know if it's because I'm approaching 40, but I'm really, really grateful to be alive mm-hmm. and have life. Like I'm really beginning to get my ducks in order, if you know what I mean, really understanding my priorities and what's important to me. And so if you could go back... And my and, dogs, by the way, dogs. they get me up in the morning. <laughs> so last question, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice in your 20s what advice would that be probably just to live a bit more in the moment you know i think i I don't really have regrets but you know i did grow up in a time when it was about you had to be very academic you know it was about grades and who you were as a person on paper and now i'm so happy that we're recognizing that the education system about being academic is is not working and bringing back into school things like sewing and gardening and cooking lessons and things look now we've got 20 year olds flying around the world teaching universities how to do social media (laughs) you know we're (laughs) celebrating every stage of life it's not we've we've kind of moved on from this old paradigm so i don't know if that would have helped then in that time in my in the 80s but that's one thing i wish i could have done more of is be in the moment live more with the earth but other than that i'm i think the journey i've done is a journey that we pretty much have to do so really last question you mentioned uh <laughs> live by the earth what what role something we talked a lot about at revitalize which you were at like climate change yeah really the climate change thing i mean paul hawkins was saying earlier yeah. that was just i mean every time i look at climate change i feel heavy i want to vomit and i don't want to look at it because it, it, you just feel so guilty and you're 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 citizen of the planet and living in a city environment you're just constantly using the resources and um what paul hawkins put forward i'm really really passionate about i mean i I work a lot with the charity women for women international um that does um programs to educate women survivors of war which not only you know may they may have lost their husbands and their status within their community but it educates them they can now have skills to teach their community they become very valuable members of the community and skills to teach their children and they and the stories and the things that they've been through i can't even watch the videos or the ted talks on them 
but I can know that I'm helping in some way um, help those people. And um, if anyone has heard, watched Mind Body Green on the on the playback of last year, um, Paul Hawkins was saying that I think number four and five was it was educating women, educating women, yes. and one ex, one other one was it was it. There's educating women, a lot around food, food waste, regenerative. But I think it was educating women, and one more thing with women that together was more than the food waste. Right, the, there was. Yeah, industrial waste, and the very unsexy, as he said, refrigeration problem, which yeah. is causing huge amounts of gases in our in our yeah. environment. And that feels like something very tangible that we can work towards and move quickly. And obviously, you know, what have we been talking about for the last, you know, in the last year alone? You know, women supporting women, supporting sure. the world. And I think it's it's exciting times to be in. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank Jasmine you, Jason. Humsley. East by West. Pick it up, everyone. Yay. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers.